The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Hockey is here. Hockey is here. Hockey is here. I have not say good morning now. In <laughs> months. Hockey good morning. is here. Are you done? Huh? Apparently not. Go ahead. Say it again. Here, hockey is here. Hockey is here. Hockey is here. Hockey is here. Hockey is Stop. here. Stop. Good morning, Chris, Mike. <laughs> Good I morning, Mike. Hockey. <laughs> live hockey happening at yes, that. Live hockey. I watched some last night. I watched some yesterday. It was very entertaining and in sometimes sloppy and at other times intriguing. And I even got to see some fights, especially uh, one between Matthew Kachuk and Blake Wheeler, where Kachuk kind of dropped Blake unceremoniously. Blake is very good at a lot of hockey, uh, a lot of things in hockey. Uh, He is not in the top 20% in the league when it comes to dropping the gloves. Fair enough, but it's not his thing. I get it. Uncle certainly is. All right, fair enough. But yes, it was much. It was. It was. It was nice to have live, meaningful hockey. I actually had some people over the course of the last week who have told me how they don't like this whole playoff thing. They should have just let it go, let the season end and start because now they're going to start, and it's all another argument for another time. I don't care what about s- that argument. I really we don't. Should be celebrating the fact that we have hockey. That's why we're here. We have hockey. So in in that vein, we will discuss all the things that have happened yesterday, or most of them, or at least touch on them. Um, so do I we want to start with yesterday's games, or do we want to look back at the uh, at the exhibition at some of the exhibition games? Well, we can look back at the exhibition debacle that was the Bruins against the. Uh, who they play the Blue Jackets? You're being way too kind. Uh, the Bruins in that tilt looked out of sorts. Uninterested. Uninterested is a good one. Yeah, good word. Yes, and very disconnected. <laughs> Even the Bergeron line did not pass anything like we normally see from them. No, there was. Yeah, there was. It was. It, it, yeah, it, it, it was not at all what you would expect. Although if you were expecting that, Hey, it's their first competitive game, not played against other Bruins in the last four months, then you were right on track. Was I uh, looking for a normal mid season high where they go out and dominate an opponent? No, I was looking for better effort and I really didn't see it. How perhaps, perhaps they were told go out there, work up a good sweat don't make get sure hurt. You, don't get hurt. And, you know, make sure that you give a hit, take a hit, and, you know, you stay warm the whole game. Which apparently Marshawn, by the way, did not hear when the coach said that. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he's going to play for today's game, so we can call that one a wash. Uh, yeah. Based on, yeah, based on what I've seen, he's actually back at it today. Um were you impressed at all by goaltending? I thought that Halak played well. Yes. That's where I was um, going with that. I mean, Pasta had the goal, which 
and it was a nice goal. It was effectively a solo rush. Um, but aside from aside from Pasternak, there were only about three players who I thought actually looked good. They, uh, I will say, the commentators for the ma- for the game were raving about Jack Stadnika's effort, and I think his, one of them. I think his effort was uh, applaudable. He looked like well, he looked like an NHL player. But for Jack Edwards to say that he's making Bruins fans forget and the, and or what was it? It was either Bruins fans or Bruins management forget about Andre Kasha, and I'm like, mm, not quite yet. Oh, no, it will take at least one more injury for Andre Kasha uh, to uh, before they forget about him. No, he's back. He's back with the team. He's not talking, but he's back with the team. <laughs> he, he says he can't talk about how he got back to the team. He can't talk about how he got into the bubble. He can't talk about why he wasn't with the team. Uh, Honestly, to me, this sounds like he violated uh, curfew or protocol for quarantine. It really does. I I genuinely believe that that's that that's what the issue was. He's he's just making he's turning it into some sort of uh, uh, black black ops deal where he had to secretly find his way in or something. Anyway, just he's back. The big question here though, since we're talking about the Bruins and we may as well get all the Bruins stuff out of the way is the fact that Tuca did not show up for practice yesterday. Yep. Um, apparent, well, he barely showed up in the game. So, (laughs) (laughs) so what's the difference? (laughs) Legitimately, what's the difference? I mean, Halak played the second half of the game. He only, faced half, he only ha- faced half as many shots and didn't let in any goals. And came in cold. Yeah, they they did allow, and, and, and it was nice of Jack to explain that, because they did allow the backup goaltenders, because it's an exhibition game, they can come in and face a brief warm-up period. Brief being about 90 seconds. Oh, yeah, maybe it, it's nothing like going through the uh, warm up at the beginning of the game at the beginning of the game, which are, you know, 15, 20 minutes and then coming back out eight or nine minutes later to uh, start the game. But yeah, you know, as you said before, you don't work up that you don't work up that first lather, you know, that, that gets you ready for what's to come in, you know. 20 minutes or so when you go back out onto the ice half an hour you get out there you're cold you've been sitting on the bench for the better part of an hour and a half uh, yeah and then I mean, all of a sudden you're facing some rubber for two minutes and oh we're starting yeah now there was one the, other player or one other forward who i thought looked good um aside from sydneyka um i thought charlie coyle looked like he really if there was anyone i saw who looked like they hadn't missed a beat or not or close to not missing a beat throughout like you know the first 40 minutes of the game it was Mm -hmm. charlie coyle i thought that he was very effective with and without the puck um his timing as far as making and receiving passes was really good he took hits he gave hits um he managed to 
skate through a someone trying to rub him out behind the net. Um, a lot of guys would have just gone down there. He skated through it and kept chasing after the puck. Um, I really liked his game. Um, not necessarily surprising that they announced him as the uh, seventh player uh, award winner. Even um, though he, even though he didn't come over until. Oh no! This is his first. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. It's been so long since we've had real hockey. I'm. I'm meshing seasons here. Yep. They acquired him at the deadline the season before. Yes. So, so he he's been in town over okay. a year. So getting the getting seventh player award, and, and I'm all I'm all for it. I, it's better than giving it to the usual suspects when they can't find anybody else. And it's typically perceived as a popularity contest for that award. But I think in this case, the fans got it right. I think that especially, I mean, all right, I slow myself down here. Charlie Coyle this season was really putting forth that effort. I mean, it he always does, but his offensive numbers seem to be just a little bit better. He seemed to have a little bit more jump. I don't know if it's just because he's playing for the home team. You know, since he grew up, what, down on the Cape? Uh, Rumor has it he's from Weymouth or something like that. Yeah, he's from down Weymouth Way. Oh. Uh, is that how you say it? I've, I've never heard anyone speak the name. Oh, okay. It well, certainly you're didn't aware, feature. You're aware, you know, Chris Wagner is from, like, uh, Hanover or Haverhill. It begins with an H. Something like uh, that. <laughs> I thought Wagner was Walpole. Oh, maybe it. No. Maybe. Am I getting? No, my... that's definitely. Maybe is definitely not the town. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, Charlie Coyle this season, he just looked so good. The effort was there. He he plays second second level on second uh, unit on the penalty kill. He plays second unit on the power play. I. I like to watch it. He was fun to watch. He just wasn't a big scorer in Minnesota, which arguably most of the team wasn't weren't no. big scorers in that, Minnesota. That's <laughs> come down to these the style of play that the team has adapted through multiple coaches, largely because players get there look terrible, are signed to contracts that their output doesn't support, and so you can't trade them. So you end up playing the same style through multiple coaches and GMs. Mm-hmm. Hooray! No, he let's did. see what he Billy G does with that. It'll be interesting to see which team steps out onto the ice this afternoon, as far as the Bruins are concerned. Uh, if it's the team that we saw on Wednesday, um, I would suggest that everyone just change the channel, finish watching the Nashville and Coyotes game and uh, then see what else they can do until the next game starts. Agreed. Um, uh, well, since, what we, other? since you wanted to cover all the Bruins stuff... Uh, you got something else? There is that Dominic Tiano story uh, from... Ah, yes. Uh, on uh, Tory Krug. Um, it It's actually a really, really well-written article Um now was that covered. that was written by Kirk Ludecky. Oh, was that Kirk? Yes. Uh, Dominic Tiano had had tweeted it out uh, earlier. 
and I grabbed it because uh, he he normally does some really interesting stuff. Uh, the story was written by Kirk, and we both know Kirk. Yes. This is a guy who is very tuned in as far as Bruins and prospects. and. and uh, Kirk Ludecki is one of the very few people in hockey whose opinions are solidly enough grounded to make me question mine uh, on someone I have a disagreement, uh, if I have a disagreement in quality or quantity or value of that player. Um, but in this article, uh, he goes into, uh, Kirk goes into the comparisons, goes into, um, what, what the holdup has been. Um, and it's his belief that we're looking at a disagreement in term more than in dollars. Uh, um, Tory Krug, according to Kirk, uh, wants this to be or expects this to be his last NHL contract uh, and wants like a six or seven year deal. Um, Bruins management seems to not want anything quite that long. Um, the argument the argument there is that and in the article, Ludecki explains and compares and whether is he as good as Thomas Shabbat or Josh Morrissey or Jacob Truba. I mean, argu- arguably, you could say he's better than or as good as those three players. And the I only would one say I better honestly than, see having a higher offensive ceiling is Shabbat. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that Shabbat is as good defensively. Um, but and defensively, Truba might be better. Truba is Truba probably is better, better defensively. than Krug. Yeah, but I think but the offensive is good offensively. So the so the arguments can be made. The issue here is that they're all 25 or younger, and Tory Krug is pushing 30. I mean, he's 29 at the moment, but he's going to be 30. Which is which is an interesting thing, but you know what? Every player on the ice is one injury away from the end of their career. Every player. Tory Krug has. Jerry Krug has been remarkably durable for a guy who plays as physically as he does as many minutes as he does. Um, and he's produced consistently. He is the best points producer on the back end. The Bruins have seen in what? 15 years, maybe more. Oh, I mean, I I, I, I can't I, disagree I can't with that. I mean, the, the last real, the last offensive, the last really good offensive defenseman that they had uh, won number seventy-seven. <laughs> I, I didn't really want to go back that far, but I don't know how you don't go back that far. Well, that's my issue. Is you stop and think about it. They, I mean, yes, they've had, uh well. I mean, they brought in Caberlet to help on the power play, but Caberlet never shot the puck, so he was more of a detriment on the power play than a help. Oh, absolutely he was. Their power play actually got worse after adding him. Uh, well, because it's it's easy to defend a guy when you know he's never going to shoot the puck. Yes, you turn a power play into a four-on-four with a coach on the ice just passing the puck. 
Uh, they did have Sergey Gonchar, uh, who was also known as a really good offensive defenseman. But he was here for what two years? He was here for two years tops. Yeah, uh, they they haven't. Even if you find a good one, it was he was either brought in as a free agent and stuck around for a year or two, or he was like brought in at a Coffee. trade deadline. Like Coffee was here at the end of his career. He was yeah. not. He was not a great contributor at that point. He worked his backside off, uh, and I had never really been a big fan of him. Does but he, he certainly worked his backside off. Um, Dougie Hamilton. I mean, if you look at what he if you look at what he's done offensively for Carolina. Yes, I mean and, he didn't produce those numbers here, but, I but don't he think certainly he certainly offensively in the same quality. Um, he might actually be less physical than Tori. Um, possibly slightly better when he's got his head out of his backside defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's a solid comparison. Um, I mean, it really, but there aren't many. I mean, it's not like players of his ilk come along all that often. Johnny no, Boychuk I mean, had a really good shot, but offensive. But I don't think that he's as offensively. No. No, gifted as Tory Krug is, he I mean, just happens to have a really strong shot. They tried to sell us on Dennis Weidman as the as oh, the. Dennis, I forgot about Dennis Weidman. How easy yeah. is that to do? <laughs> uh, sort of like he forgot about keeping the puck in the zone and you know actually making a useful effort to get back defensively I got on a regular it. basis. That's I got it. Joe Corvo. <laughs> the first and only time I've seen Patrice Bergeron look at a teammate like he was prepared to do great violence on the spot. Great yeah, violence. that was that was a, that was a pretty scary look he shot, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the quiet ones. <laughs> of course, of course it is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they need to find some middle ground. If they really, if they're dead set against giving him a seven, and that's what all Tory's going to go for is seven, then they're probably screwed. Because uh, I don't, I don't know that Sweeney is the type to back off and and give in. But they've got to find a way to get him resigned. I mean, how do you skate through the rest of these playoffs? thinking that this is the last time we're going to see him in a Bruins uniform. Let's not let that happen. And again, and if you're going to let him go, which you might have to do, or you might yeah. end up doing, have to, you is better, a little... You better be trading strange. him for, you better be trading him and not losing him for nothing. There's nothing you can trade him for at this point. Trade deadline is passed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Oh, in 523 games, there is an off season. 523 games. Mm-hmm. Tory Krug is already tied for fifth all time as for points as a Boston Bruins defenseman. He he and Doug Mons, who played, who was born in 1933. Uh, so I don't. I know I didn't see him play, and I doubt you saw him play. Um, I- he uh, he is closing in on Brad Park at number four. No, I've seen uh, Brad about Park seventy play. points up. 
I'm sorry? I've seen Brad Park play. And by the way, Brad's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So he passed Glenn Wesley in less games. I mean, that's. There's a guy you could. I mean, Glenn Wesley was really good offensive defenseman. And he was he was actually a very good two-way defenseman, Glenn Wesley. Uh, Mike O'Connell, uh, well behind him. Mike Milbury, well behind him. Um, there is literally no one else worth talking about. The only active, I mean, it's not a, it's not going to shock anyone that Zdeno Chara is uh, ahead of him. Um, you know, Zdeno Chara having been playing since I don't know about the time Tory Krug was you know six. Um. Yeah, he's only played in how many games? Uh, as a Bruin, as out. a regular season for the Bruin, uh, regular season games for the Bruins, Zdeno Chara has played in 1,023 games. Yeah. And as a not as a defensive defenseman, he's still put up 481 points, um, 148 of those goals. Tory Krug, 523 games, 337 points. Um, sixth all time, That's a all time good points for ratio original per game six too. franchise. That's a pretty good points ratio per game, by the way, for a, especially for a defenseman, but even for a forward. I, <laughs> again, he is number six or he's tied for fifth all time. You, you don't have to sell me. I think that they need to find a way to get this guy back wearing black and gold number 47. Uh, you know what? He actually has a shot at making a thousand games in 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 a Bruins uniform. He'd be only the what fourth defenseman to do that uh, for the Bruins. Um, you have Bork, you have Chara, you have Don Sweeney. And yep. just to point out how I mean, Bobby never have, made it, but his what? career was cut. Bobby Bobby never made it, but his career was cut short. So. Yeah, he played 631 games. Uh, it was also less teams, but... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but still, the point is that, I mean... It, yeah, the the point is, Tory Krug needs to be re-signed. Find a way to get it done. I can't think of any other way to put it. I mean, No, that's there really succ- isn't. That's as, as succinct as possible. And at this point... Be. At this point, the conversation actually needs to begin on whether his number goes into the Raptors or not. I can see rumblings. If he resigns, then you can start getting a little louder. If he resigns, based on his points per game now, he only needs to play about another three seasons to hit 600 points. Which, based on history, is going to push him above Zdeno Chara, uh, because I don't expect Chara to be playing in three seasons. Okay. Uh, I could be surprised, but I really don't expect him to play three more years. And even if he does, at the pace that Krug is outscoring him, he might still pass him if they're both still playing at that time anyways. Um, and if you're third all-time, highest American... Actually, he's already the highest American. Mike O'Connell is second uh, on the team. Mm-hmm. You, 
you're going in. You should. You belong in the rafters. And okay. that's where we'll leave the topic for today. I, say, I, don't yeah, think that, a- I don't think there's much further you can go with it at this point. That's where we're going to leave it. And we've got plenty of other stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so where do we head next? Well, I watched the Jets and the Flames last night. Uh, that the was, only game, the only game on in the ten thirty window. And that was an interesting game when you compare it to the others. I mean, it was a little lopsided. It was a little bit ugly in certain respects. But was it just me, or was that game not quite as intense as some of the other ones yesterday? I thought it had. I thought that it had plenty of, of intensity. It, it certainly was was goosed along by the fact that Paul Maurice, and, and this is Paul Maurice's belief, is that that Matthew Kachuk did it on purpose. But if you watch every video feed... You don't have to watch every video feed. You just watch one. Matthew Kachuk <laughs> saw what was happening and deliberately made as little contact as he could. I was looking for contact. They're talking about, oh, well, he hit him and he went in the boards weird. I'm like, first of all, he doesn't actually hit him. No, he doesn't actually he basically hit grabs Shifley. his jersey. And then, Paul, according to the statement in the article that I found, uh, Maurice calls Kachuk's hit disgusting. And this is how coaches lose credibility. Because Not for anything, they, but... If you're going to sit there and tell me that the hit was disgusting, give me examples why. He's like, oh, he did it on purpose. Uh, But if you watch the feed, then you don't see it. You have to watch some other angle camera feed. And he purposely lifts up his his leg and and then tries to cut his leg, cut his Achilles tendon and could have ended his career. I'm sorry. That's a load of crap. Having played the game, you may not like another player, but you're not out there trying to end his career. Even though Kachuk <laughs> is well known for loving physicality, this play here is 100% proof. He is not out there to hurt people on a regular basis. Are there guys in the league he would absolutely love to check into the 19th row? I'm sure. Was he trying to hurt Shifley? No, I don't. I'm not going to blame Shifley. But uh, to make a comparison to the NFL, what happened here was turf toe. He legitimately. The closest thing that you can say is he got his cleats tied up in in the AstroTurf, and that's where the injury occurred. Because whatever contact there is from Kachuk is absolutely minimal. Um, and quite frankly, we see, we see collisions between goal, between players and, uh, linesmen that are worse than this five times a season, as far as the impact of the two, of the two bodies hitting each other. Kachuk is absolutely not trying to drill Shifley on this occasion. If you zoom in on the Zapruder film, you can see the bullet. (laughs) I mean, seriously, here's the article. Here's the quote. From Maurice, it was intentional. It was a filthy, dirty kick to the back of the leg. 
You can't see it on the program feed, but you take the blue line feed and you zoom in. He went after the back of his leg, could have cut his Achilles, could have ended the man's career. It's an absolutely filthy, disgusting hit. Now, you go to, you scroll down to Kachuk's, absolutely not. I'm back checking on him. It's such an accident. I felt terrible. He was turning away and I just went in and my left skate had a little bit of the speed wobbles, which if you watch, it does. I've seen it multiple times. I was probably moving too fast for myself and I was going down. It looked like my leg probably jammed him up. I've gotten to know him. He's a top player in the NHL and someone I've gotten to know in the past few summers training with him. It's not good for the game when somebody like that isn't in the game. It was very unfortunate and unlucky, but there's really nothing that could have happened. So he's training with the guy. He, why is he going to try and take him out? He plays for the other team. Oh, you got it. NHL players do not think that way. Hockey players in general do not think that way. I don't care how much you watch Kachuk and Drew Doughty and how much they jaw at each other and how much they fight and hit each other and slash and whatever else they do on the ice. They're not trying to end each other's careers. I, I, I'm just... Again, this is how coaches lose credibility. And I like Paul Maurice. Uh, see, I've always thought Paul Maurice really, really needed a dose of reality a couple of times. I didn't say that that wasn't a possibility. But in general, Paul Maurice seems like he has a good hockey sense about him. He seems to do well with the teams that he's given. He's, is he my favorite coach of all time? Absolutely not. But I like him in general. This, however, puts him into a different kind of light. And he, uh, you mean it makes coach. him sound like an absolute bonehead? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and the fact that they lost not only Shifley, but then they lost Line. Uh, they did. And it was it was just not a good game or a good day for the Jets. Um, I thought that they, even before Line went down... I thought they looked a step behind. They, they, they absolutely did in in the second period. I mean, first period they seemed to get a little jump. They seemed to do all right. Lowry, Lowry assists. Cop scores their first goal. They look like they're playing well, but then they came out in that second period and they just looked meh. They and they Calgary never just, looked like they were in control of the game or believed they were in control of the game. Absolutely. It's just not it was not it was not a pretty effort by the the Jets. And I felt bad for I felt bad for Connor Hellebuck because I think they hung him out to dry a little bit. Yeah, Uh, I I don't blame him for the loss any more than I blame Lundquist for the loss uh, by the Rangers. Um, That was actually a really fun game to watch. The one game I didn't get to see, actually. Um, it was... There was a lot of pressure on Lundqvist throughout the game. The opening goal, um, completely not Lundqvist's fault. Uh, deflects out front. Um, when was the last zero time, chance. When was the last time Lundqvist was in a competitive game? 
<laughs> January, February. That, that, I'm guessing January because at some point they brought up Shesterkin and then Quinn named him the number one. Then he gets into the car accident. But when Shesterkin was hurt, it was Georgiev. I don't remember the last time I saw Lundqvist in a game, in a competitive game. And all of a sudden, here he is forced to make a start. <laughs> and I understand playoff-wise, I'm sure he's got more experience by himself than the other, than the next four goaltenders under him combined. But he hasn't played in a competitive game in eight months, seven yeah. months. And yet they still managed to hang on in that game. I mean, it, they were not blown out. <laughs> no, and the one goal that I did see scored by Aho was, I don't know that there was much that Lundqvist could have done with that goal. It was a, that was the power play goal started by Svechnikov. Aho was in, in the, in the low slot right in front of the goaltender. Mm-hmm. I mean, so do you blame the rest of the Rangers? I mean, I didn't see the game, so I can't speak to how they looked. The Rangers looked like the Rangers. Uh, you have to remember, this is an extended play, extended playoff format. And quite frankly, even in a normal year, the difference between the top and the bottom of the playoff field is generally fairly broad okay. uh, as far as their consistency. The Rangers uh, the Rangers were not a top team, and Carolina Carolina beat them because they were the better team. There's not there, there's no other way to construe it. They outshot them. They outskated them. They outplayed them. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, are we expecting that the Rangers are going to stick around long? <laughs> uh, I, 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 know I think the I Rangers think. will put up a good fight in the next game. Uh, there's enough young players on the team who think they have something to prove or have something to prove. We certainly didn't see the best from Panarin. Um, we certainly didn't see the best from Kreider. Uh, the two of them actually show up in the next game. Yeah, they have a chance of knocking uh, Carolina on their heels and preventing a, a sweep. Uh, do I expect them to be playing in the next round? No. Yeah, no, neither do I. Um, one of the games that I kind of enjoyed the most was actually the Montreal-Pittsburgh game. Well, it did go into overtime. It was nice to have some playoff overtime hockey. But that game, I think as a whole, those two teams were pretty well matched in terms of how they played. I mean, okay. forget, forget the offensive numbers for the year, the defensive numbers for the year. In terms of on-ice effort and execution in this game? On paper, and this is why they play the games, but on paper, Pittsburgh, I hate to say it, is a better team. I don't oh, like yeah, Pittsburgh, but on paper, they are the better team. But like I said, that's why they play the games. You watch, go out and watch. You got how many minutes? Petri had to play a boatload of minutes. He scored the overtime winner to end, end, end game one. 
he was only what a few seconds shy of, of Shea Weber, who played a boatload of minutes, mm-hmm. but should as the captain and as the number one defenseman on the team. Uh, you had you had uh, performances by Nick Suzuki and um, yeah Gallagher. It, it was they they left everything on that ice. They really did. <clears throat> it was it was a fun game to watch, and I don't think that they were. I don't. I honestly don't think you can say that they were passengers on either team. Um, both coaches had their squads ready. Um, <clears throat> Domi looked looked like he was there, ready to play. He made a couple of really smart and a couple of really athletic moves. Um, Crosby looked healthy. Uh, Malkin didn't necessarily have his best game ever, um, but I don't know that he actually looked terrible. I could have swore I heard some uh, watching one of the post games last night, whether it was NHL Network or whatever. But I could have swore I heard somebody questioning whether Pittsburgh needs to start Murray or Jari in the next game. They're always going to do that. It's Pittsburgh. You took game one took 12 minutes of the first overtime period to get a to 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 get a result and suddenly you're questioning the gold i'm not a huge matt murray fan i mean the guy when he's on he's on but for me he's injured way too much and his consistency is questionable but my only my only uh but or the, i, I mean, think the reason that they're looking at Jari versus uh, Murray for game two. It sells papers? Well, it sells papers. Oh, okay. But they didn't, uh, certainly in the first half of the game, the Penguins didn't really allow all that many shots. Um, and I don't I even think s- the shot total was all that high. I will say uh, that about well, Murray. If he's not busy, he gets... I don't want to say unfocused because I don't know if that's the issue, but that's what it appears to be. And it's like that. A lot of goaltenders will tell you they'd rather be really busy than standing around. And yeah. I, I, I get it, but he seems to it, it seems to be slightly worse in his case. If he's not um, if, if he's not facing shots, he gets unfocused, and then the first one, first two he sees, uh, suddenly he's got issues. I mean, look at the defense he's playing behind. You're going to get used to facing a lot of shots. Okay, and wait. First of all, you called Pittsburgh's group of players in front of the goaltender defense. Yes, I know. I'm being generous again. I, yes, I, I'll, I'll stop that. It's very nice of you. Uh, but during that first half of the game, the Penguins were out shooting the, the Canadians by a lot. I mean, it was, there was a double-digit gap at one point. Um, they, towards the middle of the game, uh, adjustments were made, and it only finished with a six-shot gap. And a lot of people will tell you shots on goal are meaningless. Um, the Habs gave up more shots, but they still won the game. If shots on goal were meaningless, they wouldn't have multiple rules to defining what a shot on goal is if it hits the post it's not if it goes high and wide it's not if it's if it's just a dump in it's not even though it gets to the goaltender it, it, 
if a shot on goal was, if shots on goal were meaningless, they wouldn't need multiple rules to define them. So, um, but the game was more physical than I was expecting. That I yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. I don't, I didn't expect much in the way of physicality. I mean, Shea Weber clearly likes to. I mean, he, big body and the work over the his work body of work over his career. I mean, he's not afraid of the physicality, but beyond that, I didn't I didn't think it was going to be a hugely physical game. And yeah, they proved me wrong. <laughs> um, but I one of the things I really liked about the game was seeing the young players for the Canadians actually carry the load. Yesperi Kanemi. Oh, you mean Canadians? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Kakanemi is, what, 19 years old now? Yeah. Uh, he was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it was an ugly goal, but you know what? It's his first NHL playoff goal. They don't I say don't, how. They just say how many. I don't think that he's ever going to complain about getting his first goal uh, in the playoffs in whatever way. Nope. Um, Nick Suzuki, that was a beautiful goal. Like I said, Nick Suzuki showed up. (laughs) Nick Suzuki may have been the best player on the ice in that game. Three takeaways, two blocks, two hits, three shots on goal. He filled out the stat sheet. They acquired him from Vegas for uh, patches. Um, Yeah. They may might have, have won might that have, trade. Might have actually won that trade, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Patches is having a decent season with with uh, with Vegas, but if you if you track it out through the down the down the line, I think Montreal may have actually won that deal. Um, out of curiosity, did you look at Twitter last night and see Jonathan Druin being absolutely dragged? Uh, across Twitter literally for an hour. His name was trending for a I did good... not. I was not on Twitter last night, unfortunately. I had I mean, the phone not near me. It was, it was aggressive. I mean, it, it, it wasn't getting into the level of obnoxious personal attacks from what I was seeing, but they were they were pretty they were pretty salty. What I don't understand is I, what has Druan done to upset whoever is tweeting about him. I, I mean, I understand back when he was with Tampa Bay and he pulled his antics and 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 his little temper tantrum and wanted well, to, and, and they led to his being traded and it, part of it is that they feel that the Montreal lost that trade and that Druan is a decent defenseman. I mean that yes. that was that was a lot to give up for Druin. Sergachev is a, a very good, very good offensive defenseman. Uh, emphasis they, they on flat offense. out just don't feel that he's yeah. that good. I mean, he was over half a point per game. He only played nine. He only played twenty-seven regular season games this year. Um, I, I don't look at plus-minus, especially for a team that quite frankly, would not have made the playoffs if the with the standard format. Um, but, yeah, I I mean, I do I think that 
Tampa might have won that trade. They probably did. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, Druin is the worst player in the league, which you would almost come to believe uh, having looked at uh, those tweets. Oh, OK. Did he do something? In the, and I didn't see the whole game yesterday. He just, did he? He basically he was he played like a third liner. OK, that could be a problem considering he's not. At least not on Claude's team, but Claude doesn't like to number his lines, so. No, no, he doesn't. Uh, real quick, going back to the Flames and whatnot. Um, not something that we have to spend a whole lot of time on, just an interesting footnote. The deal between Calgary and Edmonton mm-hmm. was one for one, but there was a conditional, conditional pick involved in the deal as well going back to Calgary based on performance from James Neal and Milan James Neal if he scored more than 20 and if Milan Lucic scored less than 10 then there was a conditional third round pick going to Calgary well it was decided by the NHL powers that be that the Oilers are still going to have to give up that pick because based on the statistic, based on the number of goals Neil had at the stoppage, 19, and the number of goals Milan had at the stoppage, eight, they were close to that. They were close to the numbers and the divide. It was supposed to the the actual details were less than half the goals that James Neal scores. So he was less than he was close to the 10. James was close to the 20, so they've decided that the Oilers still have to give the pick. Now, they can either choose this year's draft or next year's draft, third-round pick, and they have literally until the third round of this year's draft to make the decision. Well, isn't that nice for them? (laughs) Just wanted to get that out there to do some house cleaning. Oh, by the way... They start Cal- Calgary started um, Cam Talbot in net over David Riddick, the all-star, as they pointed out. I uh, just wanted to point out that a certain duo here kind of called that, like, I don't know, a few weeks a month ago, ago, month ago. Yeah. Yeah. wonder who that was. Mm, I don't know. Some four-checking guys. I, I, they've been around a little while. They know what they're talking about. So if you insist, so if you guys, if you teams out there want input that actually matters, we called it. We just want to let you know that Calgary listened to us and started Cam Talbot. Oh, and by the way, Edmonton also listened to us and started Mike Smith in their playoff game against Chicago, which turned out to be not good for Edmonton. Oh, one other bit of housekeeping that we did not, uh, I don't believe we have addressed. Uh, there was yes. a contract signing uh, Ooh, across, I, uh, since last week. I missed it. Ooh, contract. Um, the Boston Bruins signed uh, Anders Bjork to a contract extension. I did miss it. Uh, details forthcoming or do we know? Uh, yeah, three-year contract, uh, 1.6 million cap hit. Um, 
believe it or not, there are no movement clauses on here. So Get out of town. It, an NHL contract was signed above entry level without a no movement or no trade clause. Um, I'm somewhat confused by this, and I, I think there needs to be a league investigation, honestly. Yeah, there's somebody needs to be looking into that because aren't they like giving out like candy at Halloween? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, CBA requires that they're included in all contracts, something like that. You know what it is? This is this is Anders Bjork saying that he absolutely refuses to play for the Bruins more than another season. He wa- he, ma- he clearly wants to be traded at the de- at the deadline next year. That that's what it is. I mean. He he must have refused it because I'm sure the team offered. Sure. He may he he may not know it. He may be playing for another team whether he likes it or not. You know the the team in the northwest. Uh that's a possibility. Um it's going to come down to who is protected and who isn't. And, um I don't and, know that to date he warrants protection. Um, and something I want to talk about either next week or the week after, and we can, yeah, no, that's fine. I just, not, not the expansion draft is Mm who is current or players in the league whose actual current play has, um, puts them into the first ballot hall of famer category. I think that there's a number that's greater than five and left less than 15. Um, and I want to see your list uh, at some point. Uh, anyone who wants to send us their list, uh, go ahead and tweet me or tweet Chris. Um, I would be fascinated. Um, out of curiosity, since I have the stats up at the moment, and yeah, we're way off topic again. Yeah. Um, how many of the Boston Bruins top 30 uh, scorers all time are active right now? What's your number? How many Bruins top 30? Are they active on the Bruins at this time? Uh, league active, active as of the start the of, the, of this year. Players who used to play for the Bruins then, so... People like Riley Smith or, or other former Bruins well, are Frank on this Vitrano, list as well. Obviously, Vitrano. Well, Vitrano never met a shot he didn't like, or at least when he was here, that's the way he was. I don't know how he is in Florida. He doesn't seem to shoot as much. Although he's uh, scoring more. But I'm what's gonna, the number? I'm going to go with. I don't know three. I'm sorry, that number is wrong, wrong, and wrong. It's okay. actually six. Really? Uh, Bre- uh, Patrice Bergeron is number yeah. six all time. Yeah. David Krejci is number eight all time. Yeah. Uh, Brad Marchand will probably catch him in the next three years um, because he is number 10 all time. Okay. Zidane Chara, number 18. Okay. Um, David Pasternak is actually number 30. Having passed uh, some that's, that's Sergey Samsonov guy. Hey, hey, hey! We don't badmouth Sergey. 
And uh, the one guy who's not on the Bruins uh, any longer who's on this list, number 22, Joe Thornton. Oh, I forgot about him. That's the guy they took before Samsonov. That's why. Uh, but Milan Lucic is 37 uh, on the list, and Tori Krug is 39. Where is Riley Smith? Um, somewhere around 240 yet, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I just find it fascinating that there are actually five of the top 30 all time on an original six active right now. Especially with some of the offensive talent that has come through this team. Can you guess who number 51 on the all-time scoring list is? Number 51? If Dennis you actually Wyden. guess in three or, in three guesses or less, I will be shocked. Number but I will tell you he played 797 games for the Bruins. Number 51, 797 games. That's a lot of games. Yes. Holy cow. Um... He had 10 shorthanded goals. I was going to go P.J. Axelson. It is P.J. Axelson. Oh! <laughs> and the the amusing thing here is he's only two years older than Zdeno Chara. <laughs> and he hasn't played in almost a decade at this point. P.J.'s busy scouting in Europe. Uh, and I'm pretty certain you're familiar with the get with the guys right at right behind him. Craig Jenny, Joseph Stumpel, um, Eddie Shore, you might, you've at least heard the name. Yeah. Uh, but, wow. You have to go pretty far down the list to find the next active player. That's Louis Erickson. That is because he doesn't score a whole lot recently. He did when he was younger, but. Uh, like you said, way off topic. Um, the I only just want... other the only other guy actually active for the Bruins who makes the top hundred and fifteen, yeah, is Jake DeBrusque. He's yeah, at one hundred thirteenth all time for scoring for the Boston Bruins. One I don't know whether behind. that's I, I. Oh wow, that's absolutely fascinating. Go ahead. Sorry, way off topic. Yes, but <laughs> we've discussed he is this already. One point behind, with the same number of games. A guy that we traded away in what some people consider a controversial trade, and I personally consider a trade that absolutely had to happen for the continuity of the team. Um, one point behind Tyler Sagan, who was 112th on the list. Both played. Uh, both have played 203 regular season games as of right now. Um, believe it or not. But we're not taken in the same draft. No, but they played the same number of. Ga- they have to date played the same number of games for the Bruins. Okay, so either A that means Sagan has been injured a, a lot, or B didn't play a lot in his rookie year. No, no, no for the Bruins, 203 oh, games. Oh, oh, just for the Bruins. Okay. Yes. And Jake DeBrusque actually scored more goals in those for opening 203 games. 62 versus Sagan's 56. 
Yeah, but Jakey wasn't drafted second overall. He was drafted like 14th overall. Yes. He was this. He was the meat in the sand in the in the sandwich of three draft picks. Sandwich he was between the suck sandwich. Oh, did sandwich, I say that out loud? <laughs> sandwich between Jakob Zaborl, who is okay to say that, and Zach Senishin, who is okay to say that, even though I'm. I haven't let the jury out on Senishin yet, but I think at this point it's time to let them go. So, um, although but, he is on the Black Aces, he is up in he is up in uh, Toronto. Yeah, um, I think that says more about the rest of the system than it does about him. <laughs> I was waiting for that comment. But yeah, I, I I find that utterly fascinating that he actually scored so many more go- or more goals than Sagan in those in that opening part of his career and people around here talk about him like he's a barely adequate goal scorer. I think the, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with the statement in the defensive. And then I don't, I don't want to defend them, but in the, in their defense, I think the expectations of a second overall pick are higher, even though they were both drafted in the first round, being drafted middle first round and being drafted at the top, either number one or number two, I think the expectations are higher. And, and so, also there was a complete lot, well, the the year yeah. plus of Tyler Sagan hype before the draft even happened was uh, yes possibly and a contributing factor to Holler the belief Sagan, that he Holler walked Sagan, on Holler. Holler. Holler Sagan, which one are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Does it really matter which one we get? Well, as it turns out, it didn't matter because we traded him away anyway, and we're still making the playoffs around here. And the year, you know, after we traded him, they went back to the Stanley Cup final in 2013. Uh, yeah, I don't think that it's been a huge deal. And you're right, I think they needed to deal just for the. To, just to save continuity and, and stress and everything else because he was disruptive. Uh, yes, disruptive. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, we haven't talked about possibly the biggest story league-wide off the ice yeah, uh, yet. One that I was... And that's the John Chaka arizona Coyotes relationship. Not knowing, not knowing either Cheka or what's his name, Alex Marulo, and based whatever. on what's publicly available, yeah, I have to make as close to an absolute statement as I'm prepared to make on this, okay, or on nearly any topic. Marulo was wrong. Cheka was right. Thank you. I was going to say the same thing. Marulo did almost everything wrong except for lighting Cheka's desk on fire and posting the video to his TikTok channel. Fair enough. Or possibly posting. I wonder. I wonder if he didn't actually. I wonder if he didn't actually light Cheka's desk on fire. We just didn't get to see it. I mean, the way he. The the announcement after it happened by Marulo uh, or management or whoever 
yes. is that John Chaka quit. And even going back to before he quit, the fact that Marulo, the uh, Marulo, the younger and the president of operations for the or CEO for the team took out a, a took out a star player for a dinner and only told their general manager about it afterwards. Yeah, they they went out with uh, wow. what was it? They went out with Taylor, Taylor Hall. Hall. Yes. To discuss an extent to discuss extension. Just or, plain wow. How do you not include the general manager? Now even, even if you're worried about that player or that player's agent and the relationship with the general manager, how do you not at least say, Look, we believe in you, but we want this guy. We're gonna go have dinner with him. We will keep you fully informed as soon as it's over. That's it. A 30-second phone call. Instead, you look like a complete tool. Well, then you then you solidify the the tool image by saying John Chaka has quit as general manager of President Hockey Operations of the Arizona Coyotes. The club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city in Edmonton where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Cheka has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL. I'm sorry. Not professional. And the thing is, is I don't necessarily disagree with most of the sentiment. But how are you going to attract but presenting somebody it else? that way? Yeah. Literally... 30 seconds with someone and I I don't know the actual emotions emotional state but I kind of think that Marulo and company were a bit <clears throat> miffed uh, by this 30 seconds with someone who's a bit more objective John Chaka has chosen to move on uh, we wish him well Um I'm not sure how he would choose to leave at this time, uh, given how strong the fan base is, the fact that we're returning to the playoffs for the first time in uh, a decade, and the foundation that he has built here. Uh, but I wish him well, and I know our team is going to do well, and literally that's it, and you come out looking like a pro. As a owner, you can't look that bad. I don't know if Eugene Melnick is your mentor among the other league owners. If he is, pick a different one. He had just signed an extension, what, last year? He had another three years left on his contract with the team. Jacob did. They they have said in the past, earlier claims, they couldn't be happier with the work that he's done. There's no reason to be happier. I mean, I mean, there's no reason to be upset with him based on what on what he had to work with. And I'm sorry, did he not steal Taylor Hall away from New Jersey? Um, there's a certain uh, Coolio song that should play every time Taylor <laughs> Hall takes the ice. Uh huh. <laughs> In fact, Shaka might need to make that his entry uh, theme. 
uh, in his next job, you know, every time he walks out to the uh, podium to draft a player. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that would actually be quite hilarious. But you listen to Chaka's day, and, and, and Chaka, this is, you know, John has always been, you know, as far as I can tell, professional guy. He knows what he's doing. He's what, 20? Is he even 30 yet? I don't think so. I think he's like I don't think 20, he's 30 yet. I think he's like 26 or 29 or something. I don't know. He says, the past four years have been the most enjoyable of my life. In Arizona, I became a husband and a father while working as hard as possible to make the Coyotes a Stanley Cup contender. I love our players, coaches, staff, and fans, and I very much wish I could be with the team in Edmonton. Sadly, the situation created by ownership made that an impossibility. That's all I intend to say on this matter for now. A fuller, more detailed explanation may be necessary in the near future. And then he went on to praise Sullivan, longtime NHL player. Um, He's been with the Coyotes Hockey Operations Department since 2014. Yeah. Now, Chica does... That is how you part ways. Chaka's statement is strong enough to say that um, he might not have. I mean, he could have he could have worded it more diplomatically and said, you know, the situation uh, became uh, insoluble. But there's a far it's there's a far cry between what has come out public uh, in the. In the dis- in the messy divorce, we'll just call it that. It is. That's what it sounds um, like, actually. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, no, just stop. Literally, everyone just stop. Um, who is actually going to want to go and work for work for Marulo, knowing that the first knowing how that relationship ended not just the, if, if if it were only the statement of him leaving i could understand marulo being upset but this doesn't look like marulo understands the actions that he took along the way and that's an issue okay well let's see the article here by Mr. Glenn Burnside actually throws out a couple of names if they actually don't hire Steve Sullivan, who has the the lovely interim tag next to his name as far as yeah. being the GM. Um, it says, if he assumes the role of GM full-time, he will need to be surrounded by top-notch hockey people who not only know the game, but the particulars of the Arizona marketplace. It seemed critical to find a way to bring longtime captain Revere figure Shane Doan back to the Coyotes' fold. He has been working in the operations department, but isn't you know a GM in any case. Uh, they also throw out Sean Burke, the former goaltender, uh, who played for the played for Arizona, and he's in the Arizona community. He lives mm-hmm. down there. Uh, they throw out Burke, Brian Burke, <laughs> Brian Burke or Sean Burke, the uh, Brian Burke. They throw. Uh, if not GM, if not as GM, Burke certainly has the chops to be considered in a top hockey role. Now, it doesn't specify whether it's Brian or Sean. If it's Brian they're talking about, I don't see him putting up with their crap. If it's Sean that they're talking about because it, it links to the paragraph or two above, then okay, fine, so be it. 
Uh, several sources indicated former Boston and Edmonton GM Peter Chiarelli is someone league officials would like to help find his way back to the NHL after his, and it says here, disastrous turn in Edmonton. And they think Arizona would be a good landing spot for him. Uh, does that mean that all the all the 21-year-olds get no movement clauses? I think it does. And probably like the 28-year-olds too. <laughs> what about the 37-year-olds? Hey, you know what? If he does land there, he might be able to trade Taylor Hall again. I'm sorry. I said Glenn Burnside. It's Scott Burnside. My apologies, Scott. I mean, he, uh, he, he could actually trade Taylor Hall a second time. I don't, maybe, maybe Phil Kessel, too. The issue here is <laughs> how many times can you trade the number one and number two pick in the NFL in the NFL draft? He's already done it once for each. <laughs> he could go there and then turn around trade Hall again. And that would certainly cement the record for him. That would absolutely be a record, trading the same player twice. Uh <laughs> From two different cities. My question, but my thing is, having seen this about Marullo, they, I'm, I don't know whether they necessarily know him, don't know him, whatever, but haven't seen the way he's acted in the whole issue with Cheka, the messy divorce, as you put it. Why would either, I can't see Chiarelli or Brian Burke going there. I, I mean, mean, if Marullo tried part- to pull if Marullo tried to pull that crap with Bryant, with with Burke, with Bryant, yeah, Burke would rip off his head, um, fill his neck with, I don't know, post-digestive matter. Thank you, and then glue his head back on. <laughs> I, I can, I, I would uh, Brian Burke, and that would be a <laughs> rocky relationship. Uh, I don't see it happening. <laughs> um, I. I would want to be in the room for that frequently. <laughs> or let's face it, if Marullo talks as loud as Burke does, three rooms down the hall should be go. close enough. Yeah, you do want to preserve that hearing. Mm. I don't see Chiarelli putting up with him either, though. I mean, I'm not saying that Chiarelli is, is Brian Burke by any stretch. He's not, but I don't no, see Peter but, I mean, putting Chiarelli up with that has... either because Chiarelli still likes – he runs his own show. And all the impression I'm getting from this messiness is that Marullo wants to have some fingers in the pie. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe at this point, Marullo should point, appoint himself president and GM. And, uh, you know, that way he can save on the uh, salary and get everything done his way. Well, it sounds like he's working on a deal. In this article, they they mention about it. it. Sounds like he's working on a deal to move the team down the road to uh, out of uh, out of Glendale, I believe it is. Out of the state or out of or no, just, just out of out of yeah. the out of the arena that they are currently playing in. Well, because I think they, that's been something that's been on the discussion block for fifteen years at this point. Because uh, Glendale isn't the river. isn't really ideal. No, it's not. A, it, I mean, from all reports, it's not the greatest um, building in the NHL. That being said, I don't think it's the worst either. And I'm sure. Well, I, I, I think find. it's more location than anything. But even there, I think Ottawa 
as a location is probably worse than Glendale, but there's also the question of population density and, you know, parking and... But they're looking to move... Oh, but the... A source familiar with the situation indicated talks may heat up in the in the coming week on a potential site for a new arena in Scottsdale and a long-awaited move away from Glendale. That's what it is. So they're not moving out of state. They're not moving the team. They're just going to a different city. It's still going to be the Arizona Coyotes. But if they can get themselves a new arena. Uh, a sort, such a move remains critical to the team's long-term security in, security in Arizona. Now, for the first time since Coyotes moved to the desert in 96, there is ownership with the financial wherewithal and the drive to make a new arena a reality, something that has always been critical to the team's success in the Phoenix area. And then you go and lose the one GM that has given his heart and soul to the team, and now you're going to get... (laughs) Arguably the best general manager uh, in the team's history, certainly since it landed in Arizona. Yeah, sorry. I just I find it hard to believe that this is all Chicken's fault. I'm I can't imagine he's not without some form of blame, but the impressions I'm getting from everything I'm reading is a little and there he goes. There's a little more blame uh a little more of this blame pie needs to be handed toward Marulo than it does toward Jacob. Uh, so you're you're saying as owner he needs to have uh, he needs a bigger slice of the pie. The blame pie, sure. Um. So what else do we have left on the board for this week? Uh, I don't really have anything. I mean, the only other note that I have here that I haven't checked off is that uh, the Blackhawks stunned the Oilers in game. One and that Dominic Kubalik or Kubalik or however you say his last name, rookie of the year candidate, was Ridiculous. the first rookie in NHL history to score to get five points in his playoff debut. Oh, and by the way, we were right about Mike Smith. You keep saying that we were right a lot. It's almost like we know something. Um. Uh, yeah, there's a good possibility. <laughs> but okay, other than man, that, so, I have nothing left. Uh, if you're out of stuff to talk about, I am out of stuff to talk about. Um, if you want to tweet us your list of um, first ballot Hall of Famers, let us know. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get to it next week or not. It's going to depend on uh, this week's hockey action. Um, and some of the other off-ice stuff. Uh, Isn't but the hockey coming fast and furious this week? Ridiculous. Uh, we're only a couple of hours away from the first of, what, five games today? Um, yes. So That's yeah. what I'm talking about. I don't know how much time we're going to have to dedicate to, unless something big comes up, how much time we're going to have to dedicate to Hall of Famers. Maybe if there's a lag between the qualifiers and the first actual round of the playoffs. But it's all playoffs. This is true. Okay, then. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. (laughs) Uh, Please share the show. Enjoy the hockey. And we will be back next week. Um, Take care.